Hey, and welcome back to Conscious Founders. I'm your host, Xander Ford. Today, we're going to talk again about the vocabulary, the syntax that is really helpful to understanding how one programs a mind like they might a machine. In any system, you have five components. You've got an environment, you've got the machine or the being, you've got the program and inputs and outputs. So conveniently, I've organized the vocabulary and the language around each of these categories. And today we're going to cover the being and the program. So sandwiched between the environment and the inputs and outputs, we've got the being and the program. I've further broken down uh, the category of program into the default program, which we're going to talk about today, and the modifying language of that program. So how to hack the program to get it to do what you want. That's a pretty meta-level cognitive uh, assumption that we can actually modify our own minds. And I think it's true. So diving on in, here we go. All right, first category up is the being and how we define the entity in terms of the human machine. And the first word in this category is, of course, the brain. The brain is a physical organ that is housed in our bodies, in our heads. The brain refers to the organ, not to mind, which would be analogous to the program. The mind is an effect of the brain and other biological systems, as far as we can tell. Um, brainwave. So a brainwave is an electrical signal or a cluster of signals emitted by the brain and its composite cells, um, also known as neurons, which can be measured by various instruments such as EEGs. Um, the brainwave is also called a neural oscillation. Most of the time you'll hear it referred to as brainwave. So when a human exhibits a particular brainwave for a long period of time, it's considered a brainwave state. Uh, so I consider a brainwave state, um, since we can only monitor snapshots of a brain's uh, emission, um, it's really a um, snapshot of the frequency of the brain at a given moment um, over time. So often these states are consistent and they can be trained to be more consistent. They are associated with levels of consciousness. I'm going to break down here um, some other useful terms around brainwave states. First of all, they're measured in hertz or number of cycles per second. For example, a 60 HZ, that's big H, lowercase z, 60 hertz signal would be 60 waves or wave peaks per second. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to describe a few of the more common brainwave states that are used to define um, and associated with different levels of consciousness. First, we've got the uh, delta wave, uh, which is 0.01 hertz to 3 hertz. And then we have the theta wave, which is between 4 hertz and 7 hertz. Next up, we've got alpha waves between 8 hertz and 12.5 hertz. Then we have the beta waves, which is between 
12 and a half hertz to 30 hertz and lastly we have the gamma waves which are between 25 to 100 hertz now some of these wave uh, waveforms overlap in their range Um, they're generally used to describe states of consciousness as i Uh, explained earlier. So now I'm going to dive into what they are most associated with. Delta is our slowest range of waves. It's often associated with deep dreaming states and or sleep. Next up, you've got theta waves between 4 and 7 hertz. They are associated with uh, dreaming also, and sometimes in the wakeful state, they can be considered with deep meditation or correlated with um, states of relaxation, creativity. They are most commonly found in mammals and associated with the hippocampus region of the brain. Next up is alpha. Alpha waves happen between 8 and 12 and a half hertz. Uh, there's a subset of alpha waves called the mu waves. I will get into those as well. Uh, for now, we'll stick to alpha. Alpha is associated with wakeful relaxation in humans, and it appears to occur for longer time periods after the age of three. Before the age of three, we don't tend to see a lot of alpha waves in humans. Um, They are thought to be generated by the occipital lobe of the brain uh, unless they're coming from the motor cortex, which is then a mu wave. Um, Interestingly, mu waves are reduced when a user either moves or even thinks about moving. Okay, um, next up you've got gamma, and gamma waves are really high frequency. They range anywhere between um, 25 to 100 hertz. Most commonly, gamma waves are measured in the 40 hertz range. They are associated with the oneness or unification with all living or non-living beings, things. Um, They're... um, States of the state of oneness, which I'll get to define a little bit later, uh, is a common spiritual experience. People often report feeling ecstasy when they are exhibiting these types of brainwaves. Okay, that wraps up the brainwave section. And next, we're going to go into some real simple um, input devices which are also considered um, part of the being. And one uh, you're pretty familiar with, it's uh, called vision. And I define vision as the process of taking incoming signals from the eyes, rendering them into the visual cortex region of the brain, and then interpreting those signals to create a model of the environment. Okay, the visual cortex is a region of the brain known to process incoming signals from the eyes. And, of course, we have to talk about the eyes. are big fleshy orbs in your skull, which can take light energy from the environment, translate it to electrical signals, which are then interpreted by the brain and mind. I will get into the other senses later in the talk. Um, I do want to mention here in... um, 
cognitive psychology and in the all kinds of pharmacology, neurotransmitters are uh, well-known um, agents of change and causation in the human system, in the any uh, living system, really. Um, so I'm just going to mention a few here, define them. Um, chemical agents used to stimulate neural pathways, cascades, emotional and physiological responses is how I define a neurotransmitter. Of course, they um, that definition can vary depending on the framework one wants to use it in. Some of the most common neurotransmitters related to neuroscience and mental health are dun, 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 dopamine, acetylcholine, norepinephrine, serotonin, and um, GABA which is short for gamma aminobutyric acid. Okay, on to the next framework, which is the program. The program, a.k.a. consciousness, a.k.a. self, also known as you, me, humanity, culture, the program uh, I will refer to in the human system as consciousness. It's a relatively new term, consciousness. It is a very Western term, consciousness. And uh, I am going to define some of the vocabulary we use to to describe the program. Program sound. I make that sound so serious. Okay. Um, consciousness. It's a relatively recent English word used to describe the set of experiences and Thoughts that living beings, such as humans, have at any given moment or across a given time or lifetime. Next up is thought. A thought is the process of analysis and comprehension. It is a way of perceiving the world, assuming past experiences are repeatable in some way, and we can therefore predict what will occur again humans are so good at this it is a classically associated with um, linear thought meaning um, it's best represented by boolean logic if then and or um, although thought can take many forms thought and consciousness are often considered to be the same thing and um, it might just be a one's interpretation of whether they are or not okay mind so mind is an interesting uh, word. It is, I consider it an untouchable and largely unmaterialized form of consciousness, which enables humans to communicate, predict, and form abstract thought. That's a very personal definition of mind. You might find something completely different on Wikipedia, which I will, of course, include the link to here. Okay, subconscious mind. Now, this is such a fun term for me, one that I've been really enjoying playing with because the subconscious mind is such a new term for our culture, and yet it has been so widely adopted as uh, this this thing that exists. So it's fun to uh, think about the subconscious mind. Okay, it's a Freudian term used to describe a level of consciousness which is most... Um, not normally accessible to the everyday waking state of uh, us average humans. Now, 
often the subconscious mind is referred to as the unconscious mind and frequently it's thought to exist and materialize in the dream states. It's, um, like I said, a relatively new term, and it's also a new framework of understanding for human thought. Now, as our, uh, without digressing too deeply into linguistics, how, um, how, how our language shapes our thoughts and our thoughts shape our beliefs and then our beliefs and thoughts shape our actions and therefore our environments and then our environments go back to shape our uh, thoughts and our language. It's this fascinating web and interface of, of um, feedback. Okay, um, without digressing too far down the... Um, subconscious mind rabbit hole uh, we will move on to uh, the term feeling so feeling can either be an emotional or a physical sensation which are um, as I personally go into the realm of understanding uh, what it means to be human uh, emotional and physical sensations are often um, interchangeable and affect one another So feeling can be either or both. In the physical sense, feeling is typically one of the five senses that we have to receive information for measurable nerve responses. In the emotional sense, feeling is um, classified either good, bad, desired, not desired, way of perceiving experiences either internal or externally initiated. Okay, next up we've got artificial intelligence. That seems to be a pretty big buzzword these days. I am not entirely sure how to define artificial intelligence. I don't even know that non-artificial intelligence exists, but uh, I will uh, express it here as the belief that computers can behave like humans. That is what I consider artificial intelligence to be, and uh, we'll leave it at that. I'm sure many people would have different definitions. That's mine. Okay, symbology is the study of symbols and their meaning to humans. I had proposed a new term here called symbiology. So symbiology is... A term that I like because it's the intersection of symbols and biology. So our human mind operates as a symbolic system. And those symbols, which I will later talk about called cognitive objects, or you can think of them as metaphors, are the programming language that runs our being and uh, sort of a root-level language that operates our existence and our perception of reality. Now, because we're both mind and matter, um, symbiology is the study of how mind and its corresponding symbolic systems affect our biological systems and vice versa. Okay, Perfect segue into psychosomatic theory. Psychosomatic theory is the belief that the psyche and the body are inextricably linked in a feedback loop. So, for example, experiences, that is, thoughts, emotions, physical stimuli, 
that a human has also impact that human's belief structure, their pain sensors, their pleasure sensors, their mobility, and their sense of identity. Super helpful to me personally as I have gone down this incredible journey of learning to realize that, hey, my thoughts impact the way that my body feels and uh, vice versa. The way that my body feels impact my thoughts. So when I can interrupt um, that feedback loop and interject a program of my choice, then all of a sudden I have um, something called agency, which I'll get into a little bit later. And uh, I have freedom to choose. Pretty exciting stuff. Um, the foundation of the whole purpose behind this uh, podcast to help more humans realize that they do have choice uh, and agency in their lives and they can live beautiful, healthy, happy, meaningful lives. Okay. Um, Cultural dogma. Oh my gosh. So we are living in an environment with lots of other people who have lots of other belief systems. Those belief systems impact our belief systems. And I define cultural dogma as the set of assumptions a culture, any culture, holds to believe to be valid and true. Often, these are based on a repetition of seeing and believing and hearing those uh, values and assumptions to be true within the context of the culture. These um, assumptions and beliefs are passed down from generation to generation within a culture. Now, this is a really powerful concept. It's also a really powerful survival tool, provided that the environments aren't also rapidly evolving. So, for example, a tribe might have a certain set of belief systems, which enables that tribe's survival until... A neighboring tribe or a non-neighboring tribe comes and invades and completely disrupts their worldview, their cultural dogma, and their sets of activities known as traditions, which have helped them survive for however long they were surviving. Fascinating uh, concept which spans and runs into many other um, concepts of framework, what it means to be human living with other humans. Um, It can be really helpful to understand and even question what our current belief systems are um, in order to understand how we might wish to change them to better represent our current set of beliefs or any kind of new input or shift in the current environment. Okay, along with cultural dogma, you have its... Uh, protagonist or rather antagonist uh, you've got counterculture uh, well known for the 60s and 70s initiated by the beat generation this term counterculture uh, then took off with um, the hippies etc counterculture I would say is a set of beliefs and assumptions that is not in agreement with the current average population's set of assumptions and beliefs. That is, there is some disagreement and there might be a radical shift of perception that needs to happen. The counterculture is oftentimes the radicals, the ones who are leading the charge in change and they're change makers. Um, 
many people in uh, many entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley are from this sort of counterculture questioning reality belief set. Um, won't go too far down that rabbit hole. Societal programming. This is a concept that there's a set of beliefs which have been repeated enough for an entire population, also known as a culture, of people to believe as true and valid. So this becomes a mindset, a worldview, a way of seeing and operating within the world. It's often funny how languages uh, can be um, challenging for people to interface across uh, different cultures. And um, sometimes it's not just the language, but it is the societal programming, which is, of course, informed by the language. Okay, choice. This is a big one. Choice is the ability to choose between multiple options. Choice is related to agency. Choice can be between two possibilities or between many possibilities. A lot of people have difficulty making choices, especially when there are many options available. So one of the aspects I consider of maturity is the ability to hold multiple options and possibilities of truth and then choose one uh, willingly without fear of the outcome. But I digress. Okay, next is freedom and freedom in the context of choice specifically. So freedom is the ability to choose one's actions Um, monitor one's thoughts and have choice or believe that one actually has choice. Next word is focus. Oh, such a good word. Wait, what was I going to talk about? Oh yeah, focus. Um, So focus is the complete attention of one's consciousness upon a single object, process, image, challenge, thought, Etc. A focus is the ability to have sustained thought about a particular object, being, process, image. Focus can be incredibly valuable for coherent brainwave states. Focus is the foundation of meditation. Focus is often the foundation of health, I have found. Next word is community. Community can be the set of people that we relate to and agree with in our um, belief systems as true and valid. Um, Community can be defined in many ways. Um, One helpful way of defining community in the virtual reality world is a virtual community. That is a set of humans that are interfacing through a program um, and these humans are interfacing not um, biological being to biological being but they're using a computer interface to uh, help them communicate with each other privacy okay privacy is a big topic uh, you know, especially as our culture evolves and there are very large corporations and large governments with vested interests in maintaining the cultural dogma, maintaining the cultural norm uh, and or what we consider 
power, um, the power being ability to manipulate uh, other humans' uh, actions, thoughts, uh, ways of being. Okay, so privacy is super important. I'm not going to get too much into the politics of it, but I will define it best I can here. Privacy is the permissions and restrictions relating to information and knowledge of an individual's activities, thoughts, and wishes. Okay, individuality is the belief that one's body and their sense of self is distinct and different from others. Collective truth is the belief that truth can be known by multiple people and that there is a universal truth associated with all conscious beings. Relative truth, the belief that truth is relative to the consciousness uh, that is perceiving the object or thought. And variable truth, the belief that truth is not absolute, it's not binary, it's not yes or no, but rather can be changed according to one's perspective. Fun story about that, I won't go too too deep into it, but there's a, a parable, a, a fable about um, an Indian um, uh, fellow who was... Um, who was observing multiple people, multiple blind men touching an elephant. One was at the leg, one was at the trunk, one was at the side. And all of these blind men were touching different parts of the elephant, describing what they felt. And, of course, they all described something slightly different, even though they were touching the same being. So that is a good example of a variable truth or um, truth based on perspective. Next up, we've got non-duality. Non-duality is also associated with that gamma brainwave state. It's a state of consciousness similar to oneness, but non-duality is often um, maintained at the same time as individuality, so it's this ability to maintain the sense of self operating in this physical world, walking, talking, but also have a sense of connection to universal life and a sense of connection to um, all living uh, and non-living material, immaterial aspects of the cosmos. Oneness I described as the experience of totally dissolving the self and belief that one's experience is universal, completely connected to everything in the universe. So oneness would be different than non-duality from my perspective because oneness is there is no self. We are simply dissolved into this perceiving uh, state of being where there, you can't actually sense self. It's just sensing everything around um as though the being doesn't exist simply the environment Alrighty, that wraps up the vocabulary for the being and the first half of the category program the default program stay tuned for next episode about the program modifying language inputs and outputs as always take care stay healthy and be well.